0: Now beginning transmission 101. X Men. God loves. Man kills. File under March Madness. Episode of the funny books and Firewater podcast. OMOSHILY BOONDO, the in the in the in Attempt to pair cocktails with comic books. All while trying to not sound like complete morons in the process. It's kind of like a kind of thing, it's kind of cool. You can find these idiots on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tandrani, Corelanova, Okasako, the show. No, what? You read too many comic books. <laughs> we now join Brian, Jeremiah, Adam, and Todd. They're used to curious sights,
1: which they attribute to alcoholic
0: delusions.
1: They may be drinkers, Robin, but they're also human beings.
0: I'm too sober for this shit.
1: Yeah, we are ready to start the recording.
2: And I do the
3: German dance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you fuckers need to knock it off. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but i want the love balloons. 99, ninety-nine love balloons. I have ninety-nine love balloons and a bitch hit one. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I told you Nobody to surprise you did. with a new drop. That's for you. So enjoy. Oh, I know it. It was funny because it was like it was there, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna make this work. I'm gonna have. To. I, I I took a lot of editing to make that work. Is really the sad <laughs> fact. I spent way too much time trying to make that drop work. You know that I really should have. But That's hi. What? Good for you.
2: Good for you. (laughs) And and speaking of (laughs) editing, I I now have a newfound appreciation for all the hard work that Brian puts into the show, as well as uh, Andy with as Hell, which we'll get to intros in a second. Yeah. Because I actually edited my very own podcast for the first time this week, and I'll be goddamn if it didn't take like two hours and we only
1: recorded 35 minutes, so. Yep. And this show runs typically about an hour and a half. And uh, I'm OCD, and uh, also I will say this too: you have the benefit of having both people in the same room actually communicating. Because half the editing I do is trimming up because of the delay back and forth between us talking and waiting. Like there's a lot of like pauses in there to like tighten everything up and make it actually sound like a conversation that flows back and forth. I do a lot of that as well. So,
2: although I will say that I I used your whole uh, future Brian edit this out for me, mm-hmm, and that yeah. was very helpful because oh, it's there was a helpful, right? Of <laughs> or I'm like, I'd pause. but hey, future Adam, cut this part out. And then I would be like, oh, I need to, if I was like, kind of zoned out for a second like oh mm-hmm. shit yeah. i just said my name so so we're yeah. on, on the sound engineer podcast where uh,
1: we yeah no you software. don't want to do sound engineer there's a, a joke around my work that's like if you have four sound engineers you have five opinions like everyone has something <laughs> to say about sound it's fucking ridiculous cuz then it becomes these arguments about what's scientifically accurate but then sometimes things are scientifically accurate don't necessarily hold true in actual space and time like it just gets so esoteric it's such a fucking nightmare anyway we won't Yay. get into Yay! Yay! Let's we'll not talk about sound engineering. So, depending on how much of that's uh, still in there. Hey, how are you? Uh, welcome to episode 101. Uh, we are oh, this. Man. Yep. God damn. Is that going to be a response for every one of the 100s? Because I'm going to expect it now. We're like we're <laughs> like ancient podcast years. Yeah, we really are. We're uh, we're, we're fucking old. We're immortal. We're, we're getting that. immortal. But I mean, because there, there can be only one, so we have to go cut off the heads of other podcasts to be immortal. That's how that goes. So it begins. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> to start the quickening.
3: So, Adam, <laughs> you're not on your the podcast, quickening. so,
1: you know. You're, Just so I'm, you know,
3: though though Jeremiah's from the planet Zeiss.
1: Is that what they ended up deciding that was? that all they, The uh, planet,
3: yeah, that was um, yeah. Highlander 2. Is they When's became aliens from the planet Zeiss in the future, and they got
2: knocked back. Yeah, which, so which I'm... funny, yeah, funny story about that is a buddy of ours, loves Highlander, like loves mm-hmm. it to death and he was so excited for Highlander 2 and this is back, you know, he's a bit older than us, not too much, uh, but a bit a bit older and he went and saw it in theaters and he was so pissed off when they did that big reveal, he stood up in the middle of the theater and just yelled, that's bullshit and like <laughs> ran out of the theater <laughs> I remember going to see Highlander
3: in game with Brian's very nerdy mother
1: yeah, my mom loved uh, Adrian, what's his last name Adrian Peterson. Adrian yeah, Paul. Adrian Paul, who played the Highlander on the TV series, like so. That's the first um, celebrity like signing and uh, and photo op I've done at a con was to take my mom to go meet Adrian Paul, and she had a great time. Uh, he looks so. great by the he way. He does. He's aged very well. He really He's has. aged very
3: well. He has maintained himself. There's, yeah. yeah, he didn't let himself go at all. It was great.
1: Yeah, no, he was, uh, and he was very nice. He was, very, he was a, a lovely individual. Um, and I mm-hmm. wish him all the best. And, uh, you know, uh, if you want to meet my mother, don't call me, because I'm not introducing you. That's just awkward. Uh, but hey, <laughs> uh, so this month we are continuing on our month that we're calling March Madness, where we had uh, viewer-suggested books. And I'm going to be honest with you, we should do this more often, because you all suggested some pretty fucking fantastic books. Um, Adam will disagree with you on Tag and Bink, but otherwise, I think the lineup's been pretty spectacular. So thank you for that. So this week it's uh, X Men God Loves, Man Kills, which I have for so long just loved the fucking title. Uh, it's just cool. And yeah, so it's, and we read that this week. Uh, we have at least three of us here right now with a hopeful fourth to join us at some point in time, but we will start out with Mr. Good For You himself.
2: Good For You!
1: Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Adam. I'm the uh, reviews
2: editor and film critic for Big Shiny Robot. Also, the co host of the Board as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Hi Andy. Andy. Uh, and also, we uh, started up, we recorded our first episode, and I edited it all by myself. Good for uh, you. <laughs> uh the cinema queens podcast with our buddy chris who uh which hopefully will be going up shortly i just need to do a couple more tweaks and then get itunes to approve it and we should be good so doing all that living the life and very very glad that i only
1: have to work one more day before i get a day off so good
2: for you <laughs> uh
1: sorry, i'm gonna overuse it here real fast so I'll, I'll i'll move my bar so i don't see it as easily pew, 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 there we go that will be better um, um, Also, we always
3: need more of that <laughs>
1: we do all, I did a full like remix at work one day with that loaded onto a sampler and just like it was it was a lot of fun I was doing a stunt show at the time and so like we were rehearsing it until there's so there was punch sounds punch sounds and then of a sudden, the director of fake pulled a gun and I went pew 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 and he thought that was the greatest thing ever uh, so anyway uh, also the greatest thing ever we have Mr. Todd you know
3: you could uh, overstate that only a little bit so hi I'm Todd you can Got find me here in Salt Lake <laughs> uh-huh, yeah yeah <laughs> And that right there is why I'm never going to run for office. <laughs> Nothing else I've done, all my curse words and everything else, but the goddamned I've got your gender right here is why I am unelectable.
1: I really want to make that into a t-shirt, but I don't know if anyone would get or appreciate the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. You know, I say that
3: at the same time, if you're looking who's president, maybe I have a bright career in politics.
1: You, you, you really would.
3: I uh, have a day job, but I do this for a lot of fun. I also do English class hooligans with Brian as well and my uh, better half, my lovely wife, Amy. Hi, that's Amy. Where we re- Hi, Amy. <laughs> and that's where we read classic books we should have read in high school or revisiting them again and deciding whether or not they deserve to be classics or if they're pieces of garbage. And so yeah. far, the first two were great, the third one is a piece of garbage. Yeah, we still haven't recorded it yet
1: because I don't think any of us have gotten our asses all the way through it yet.
3: No, we don't want to finish it. So we need to, but it's one of those things of, what the hell? Yeah. So, yeah, you'll um, find me hanging around. And if you see me, come say hi. And I'll say, are you sure you're looking for me? Because there's another guy that just looks like me
1: all the time. Yeah, that's your brother. Uh, Yeah, and the the English Class Hooligans episode, assuming we record it on time, which I'm really hoping we we do, uh, Mm -hmm. will come out at the end of the month. That's when we release all of our books. Uh, So, uh, yeah. So, yes, join us for that as well, um, as well as all of our other friends' podcasts. Uh, Mr. Maya will hopefully join us later. He got roped into a last-minute gig, uh, helping install a new counter at Dr. Volts Comic Connection, where he is normally there on Fridays and, I think, Tuesdays, Mondays. What, what's the other day, Adam?
2: He, he goes in Wednesdays? Tuesday. Tuesday generally after the store closes because mm. they have um, <clears throat> they have to put out all the new comics.
1: Now. Yeah. Oh, for the
3: yeah. Wednesday show up. So Tuesday yeah. is the diamond delivery.
1: I thought he was normally there two days, and but since I don't actually live there, I I don't know.
2: It depends. I know this this week, uh, Dave, who owns it, and he's awesome and takes care of all of us. Mm-hmm. He had to go dental work done, so Maya worked some extra days. But stop in. He might be there. He might not. But uh, Fridays. Yeah he tends to be there more often than not. And then Tuesday evenings, so. he's there.
3: Yeah. Dr. Volts um, is an awesome place. I always feel most welcome when I show up. So they don't, they recognize me and they go, I've seen you around other people, but for the life of me, I can't remember your name. And that's how most of my life goes. And I'm like, yep, that sounds about right. And I proceed on and keep it
1: awkward. That's great. Todd the human barnacle. Um, <laughs> I thought that would get a better laugh out of my Adam, but it didn't. Uh, oh, he
2: lives in a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> SpongeBob! Sponge SquarePants!
1: Square no, it's not SpongeTodd's pants. No, that's what it's There we go. Yeah, SpongeBob. I might rewrite your theme song. Um, And hey, I'm Brian. Uh, I'm a sound designer based in Southern California. I do a bunch of shit. Uh, If you're really interested, hit me up. I'll tell you where all that stuff is. Uh, I'm sick of talking about it. I'm sure you're sick of hearing about it. Uh, So, uh, and those... Mr. Porg is here. I thought he traveled with Mr. uh, Mr. Maya, so I'm very happy that he was able to join us this week. No, no, Mr. Porg belongs to me. Oh, he belongs to you. I thought he was uh, Mr. Maya's friend, but... uh, That's That's lying cat. Oh, lying cat. Oh, okay. Yeah, lying
2: lying cat is Mr. Maya's friend.
1: Well, he's always with us in spirit. (sighs) Um, Yes. all these weird drops we are starting to turn into a 90s morning radio show Uh, but that's more for next week than this week Uh, but Mr. Maya has left me notes so we can get his opinions uh, vicariously even when he is not here Uh, but as we said at the top of the show sort of somewhere in there when we stopped rambling uh, this is X-Men God Loves Man Kills uh, written by Chris Claremont um, illustrated by a guy whose last name is Anderson I didn't check his first name Brent Anderson uh, published in 1982 so this book is uh, younger, but barely than most of the people on this podcast. So there's that at least. Uh, so we were alive when this came out. We were just only one or two years old, depending. Uh, except for Mister Maya, who was not born yet. Uh, anyway, he was still the juice in his dad's sack. Yes, he was. Speaking of juice, I don't know. I'm not. I don't know i am not i <laughs> not going to do that. Uh, we, we, we've beaten we've beaten come dumpster to death. So let's let's uh, not go into yeah, that. No, no. <laughs> We will we will avoid that for the time being. I don't know how much this I'm going to leave in. I might. I'm becoming a little more judicious of like, yeah, that's not really necessary. We'll cut that out. After after you were so shocked, that I left to come dumpster. I'm like, eh, you know.
2: No, I wasn't. I wasn't shocked about it. I just. I, well, first of all, I didn't realize how long the conversation went on, uh-huh. and then I. I, I so. Uh, people always ask you know mention like oh remember what you said on this podcast and by people I mean the three people I know who listen to it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm like well and I know more than three people listen to it but in Mm -hmm. general I think I think I've even mentioned this before is that I honestly don't remember a lot of the conversations we have because it's in the moment you're discussing things you're kind of flying back and forth Mm -hmm. so when I go back and listen to a couple episodes just every so often it's like oh my god we said that (laughs) I didn't remember that at all
1: that's what happens when you drink while podcasting kids it's not safe but whatever we're here to be rebellious we're here to be you know just crazy all for your benefit (laughs) Uh, So, uh, we will start as we typically do with drinking games, although I always say we will start as we typically do with something else, and I'm always back and forth. But I figured out that because I've been editing them, I always put drinking games first. So we're going to start with drinking games this time around. And now for sports.
0: Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game, and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly.
3: I call it, um, the best costumes are the mighty V. So as you're going through this and you look at Nightcrawler and Colossus and some of those others is... Besides a color scheme change, they've got quite the similar costumes that starts right at the crotch and the navel comes up to these awesome shoulder pad things that stick out. And it's really just this V-shaped poncho that they're rocking it. Okay. For whatever reason, it just really got me this time as I was flipping through it. So the mighty
1: V I will throw in mine. Um, uh, mine is, ca- I'm calling a rose by any other name, which is every time they say, uh, the name striker, which is the villain in the show. Spoilery sort of warning, uh, take uh-huh. a drink. They say it a lot. Adam, what is your, co- it, what is your drinking it's on, like, the back Cover. I mean, you yeah. know, he's yeah, the bad well, guy. Okay, that's fair, but yeah. Yeah. So, so
2: mine is called the good book. So every time they quote the Bible or have a Bible passage, in the book, take a take a drink. You're a mean man. I am. But this book also pissed me off. Not because I didn't like it. I did like it a lot, but it pissed me off in a lot of other ways. So.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Maya's rule was called, Because I said so. I'm hoping I can do a decent impersonation of what he would want me to say. Uh, anytime Striker tries to reason his actions by saying they're mutants, take a drink. I almost was going to put it do a drinking game rule called More Human Than Human which every time uh, the word human or mutants was mentioned take a drink but I think we did something similar to that for a different X-Men book and it was brutal. So yeah, so those are our drinking games. Uh, as you can tell there are a few things that are going to uh, uh show up a few times in here uh so now is the time in which we normally kind of give a uh, vote as to whether or not we feel like it is worth you our dear listeners time money energy uh to find purchase and sit down and read this book take time out of your busy life to actually sit and read a book even though it has pictures for Pedro. so i've been asked by the judge to be the phone And I want y'all to know that we's going to run a fair jury and a clean jury.
0: It's time for a vote. Because we love you. And we don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you, our dear listener. Along with each vote, our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote.
3: Vote Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die!
1: There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Is it worth the time and effort and money to read this? Uh, Mr. Maya's vote, I will say, is a yes, based on... He didn't tell me that officially, but based on the grades that he sent me for the final, in case he doesn't make it to this episode, I will make a natural assumption that he is going to say yes. Uh, he is pro you reading this book. Mr. Adam, what say you? Oh, I'm definitely yes. This is a great book. It's it's one, actually, I've always
2: wanted to read, because it's kind of up there with some of the, the X-Men comics that, if you're a fan have to have been read, like, you know, Dark Phoenix Saga and everything else, but just never really got around to it. So I'm really glad that it was <clears throat> picked for March Madness because mm-hmm. I enjoyed it a lot, even though it pissed me off. Uh,
1: we will find out all about what pissed Adam off uh, after our uh, little intermission break. Um, I'm going to also vote yes for a lot of reasons, but I will say one of the important parts of this book is is that I know a lot of X-Men fans who tout the beauty and wonder and amaze me, amazement that is Chris Claremont, and I'm, I was always kind of like, Huh? And then I read this book and I was like, "Oh, I got you. I see. I see what the appeal is." Uh, Todd, what is your vote? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you can see uh,
3: threads of inspiration for X Men Two, X Men United, yes. coming from this story. There is a lot of inspiration coming from this, but it's uh, great source material for that movie. So if you like the uh, first few X Men movies, this is great stuff. So yes,
2: absolutely. And well, even if you don't like the first, even X-Men, if you <laughs> don't.
3: Good this is a great this is a great
2: book. And even if you don't like yeah. the first one, you should like the second one cuz the second one's up there with some of the best X-Men.
3: The second, yeah, X2, X-Uni- X-Men United is a great movie and, and it still time. stands
2: up. Yeah, I've watched it recently and it's still up there as far as the first one it wasn't the greatest movie and mm-hmm. aged kind of poorly. The third one we don't discuss because Brett Ratner's a douche. Yes. Um but no, the second one is still one of my most enjoyed comic book movies, so. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, awesome. That is a uh, rousing round of support from all of us so uh we say you should go check it out and go read it um and yeah we really genuinely it's definitely pretty great definitely, also, definitely, great, definitely. definitely great definitely it's also short as shit <laughs> like it really is like it's this may be one of the thinnest graphic novels we've ever done on this show for sure we,
2: we actually do have one coming up that we haven't announced yet that uh, is shorter so oh is it okay yeah is it
1: as short
3: as the angry inch <laughs> it's less <laughs>
2: than an inch yeah <laughs> It was like when I silence Brian. It's definitely shorter than our next book that we're reading next week. Yes. This is really, yeah,
3: it's a great story. It's a great book. And it's one of the things, what's awesome about it is Comixology
1: has it for a fantastic value that's true um i actually bought it both uh, both this week's and next week's i bought on comiXology and i bought on uh an actual paper copy of it as well uh mainly because it was really easy to sit there instead of looking at facebook during your you know lunch or while you're mm-hmm. waiting for a table or whatever to pull out your phone and flip through a couple co- panels of a comic book i'm starting to comiXology starting to really grow on me as much as i still like the tactile experience and the experience of going to the comic shop i'm starting to really like reading up my comics on my phone so uh maybe just because i get a little bit more done that way so yeah so that's a, we're all voting yes even uh Maya, in abstention, uh, votes that yes, you should go read this. So uh, this is where we take a little break. If you haven't read this book yet, be prepared. We will spoil the shit out of it on the other side. And yeah, we'll see you there.
0: If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead.
2: We'll wait. So Brian Young, who we all know, yes, uh, he wrote an article I uh, actually had a, a Twitter thing about uh, Star Wars hiring Jon Favreau to do the Star Wars series. Yeah, the TV show? Yeah. yeah. And so uh, Brian just said, I'm excited by this news, but Lucasfilm needs to announce someone working on their shows at this level that isn't a white dude. And wrote an article mm-hmm. about it on StarWars.com. Breitbart wrote an article and quoted his Twitter post in uh-huh. Breitbart. They linked to his actual Twitter account to do it. Mm-hmm. So he updated uh-huh. his name to Breitbart is trash. That is fantastic. So now that shows up on the Breitbart article. That, that bright, bright bar is tragic. Uh, I'll snap it and send you the. I'll send you the picture. That is
3: great. Really
1: amazing. I love Brian that. Young, hero of
3: the week. Thank you, Brian.
1: Yeah. Well, also Brian. Uh, Brian Young is also hero of the week because last week we'll talk about it in recommendations. But uh, I went and did an experience with him, a Star Wars experience uh, at uh, Downtown Disney, uh, just outside of Disneyland, because I live in Southern California, kids. And uh, I was talking to him about how much Adam did not like uh, Tag and Bink, and so I told him with mr He's manny
2: gone. both hands oh yeah he, he, told, went, he went off on me about that on facebook i know what i told him too so <laughs> that's him fantastic to <laughs> I, I love
3: that brian young loves mr manny both, both hands. oh you
2: bitch dude we're making <laughs> you a shirt actually i would wear a shirt that said manny both hands died for our sins yes because it's, <laughs> a, it's believable
1: jesus christ so. <laughs> i i also want a shirt that says manny both hands died to bring you this shirt um, or Manny yeah, hands died, and all I got was a stupid shirt. I'm going to make as many Manny Botthands shirts as I can. It's going to be amazing. I'll rock
3: all right. Yeah. You know me
1: and my graphic tees. If you would like a Manny hands t-shirt, contact me at firewater at gmail.com. We'll, we'll get something worked out. It'll be fun. We'll see what happens. Uh, so uh, I'm going to give you a quick summary, and then we're just going to dive into the conversation because there's a lot to talk about and unpack in this book, and the plot is... Uh, interesting, but probably the least interesting part of this whole book. So, three quick paragraphs from Wikipedia for your uh, listening pleasure. Uh, Magneto is investigating the murder of two mutant children who were killed by henchmen of the Reverend William Stryker. Stryker. Who murdered his wife and newborn son after his son, a deformed mutant child, is born? Seeks the wholesale extermination of mutant kind, while presenting himself to the public as a fire and brimstone preacher, spreading the message claiming that mutants are abomination of uh, in the eyes of God. After a television debate with Professor Charles Xavier, Stryker, who knows Xavier is a mutant, kidnaps him, forcing the X Men to team up with Magneto and find their mentor. Uh, Xavier has been hooked up to a machine that will use his psychic power to kill all the world's mutants via cerebral hemorrhage uh, at a revival meeting when a popular U.S. senator who is a closeted mutant is in attendance. Magneto and the X-Men confront Stryker and rescue Xavier. In the end, after Shadowcat and Nightcrawler successfully bait Stryker into admitting that he kidnapped Xavier and his plans for mutant genocide, Stryker is shot in the chest by a security guard when he tries to murder Shadowcat in public. Magneto and the X-Men part ways with Magneto politely turning down an offer by Xavier to join the X-Men and renounce evil. However, before he leaves, he reminds X-Men that Stryker may have the final victory uh, as already his defenders rally to him as he awaits his trial for his crimes. That is the full summary. And probably one of the fastest ones we've ever done. Thank you, Wikipedia, for that brief summary. I do want to preface one thing on this, and this is a thought that I've had, and this is, a good I think, a good place to start. One of the things I've always liked about I've understood the concept of the X-Men. I have not been, up until reading this book, I would not say that I'm an X-Men fan in the comics. I have not particularly liked a lot of the books we've read on the show. Um, I've had some issues with them. This is the first X-Men comic that I have loved. Like, I will say wholeheartedly, I think this book is fantastic um, and is very good, and I enjoyed the hell of it. The thing I really liked, one of the things I liked about this book is that it does have a political agenda. It is a very political book. It is not very subtly veiled, but it also has a great message with it. And it does a really good thing. I feel like it has this handoff, because X-Men was originally created as an allegory for the civil rights movement for Black America, and then transitioned into a civil rights movement for uh, the gay community, I think it's fair to say. Um, Because most of my friends who are X-Men fans actually happen to be gay, so I think there's an obvious logical connection there with them being X-Men fans. That political Message in there. I think there's there's some great stuff in there, and this book really really resonates with the current political state that we are in right now as we record this book. Um, I don't know if you're listening to this in the future, and hopefully things are less fucked up than they are right now. But yeah, it's a highly political book. So if you have a political opinion on this, I'm not shocked because there's a lot of politics in this book. So what are your thoughts, Adam?
2: No, so that, that actually ties in exactly what mm-hmm. I was saying. It wasn't there was nothing about this book itself that irked me. Like I love this book. Again, this is one I've wanted to read for a long time. I'm mm-hmm. well versed in Claremont, you know, one of the things that got me into comics hard as a kid, I read DuckTales and Ninja Turtles and all those fun kid comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but what got me into comics as an adult was uh, when I was in college, there was a comic shop like a block from my apart- where the apartment where I lived. And I used to go there and play Magic the Gathering with my friends from college and everyone else. So I was there, and we were we were talking about comics with this guy Kevin who worked there. I don't. I don't this is again back in like 2000, 2000 actually, and he asked you know what comics I'd read. And I mentioned as a kid reading the basic stuff, and but I really like the X Men cartoon from the nineties. He's like, oh, well, have you ever read the Dark Phoenix Saga? I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I watched the cartoon. He's like, oh no, you need to read this right now. So he went and got it, gave it to me. I think he gave me his personal copy and said, here, just borrow this, bring it back. I went home and read it in one night, and that was mm-hmm. the first graphic novel I ever read which again was written by Chris Claremont and why X-Men three pissed me off so much because Burt Matt Radner can go die in the fiery depths of hell. Uh, Cause he fucked over the story of my introduction to comics as an adult. He so, did. so yeah, so the, again, this is Claremont. It's some might say he might be the best author the X-Men ever had. Uh, but yeah, much as we talked about how this, this really was the basis for where X2 came from the ideas behind this, and there were so many lines by, like, Stryker and the the cult he kind of started around this that really drove home the fact that, yes, while they're talking about mutants in this book, the idea, because X-Men came from the Civil Rights era with Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King, which was Magneto versus Xavier, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it's, like we mentioned earlier, segued into the Civil rights movement for LGBT rights, right. and so what pissed me off with this book wasn't that it wasn't well done because it's amazing, and yes, there are very very strong political undertones. So if you overtones, one over is saying overtones, yeah, exactly, it's, it's in your face. It's not hiding behind yeah. the fact that it's, it's a political to
1: comic work. book that slightly masquerades as having a plot that it's is being not a political. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, but
2: reading so. this reading this book and seeing what these characters are saying every single time it happened to me, it wasn't like they were saying it to mutants. It was like they were saying it to me because this is the kind of shit I deal with online all the time. And really? you know, I don't argue on Facebook. I gave up that for lent many years ago, even though I'm not Catholic and I'm much happier now than I've ever been because I don't get involved in the cesspool of debate and arguing on Facebook or any social media in general. Like you're welcome to have a different opinion than me, but if I put something on my page and you disagree, you can post all you want. I'm going to ignore you because I've already mm-hmm. said what I want to say. I made my peace. Uh, I'm not going to change my mind. I don't give a shit if I change yours because you're being an asshole. But it doesn't change the fact that I see this happen to people I know and love on a daily basis. And those kind of comments about oh, who just kill them all, round them up, do this kind of stuff, as much as it still happens with people of color and minorities, I'm still part of that group. Not mm-hmm. people of color, because I'm, I, am, I, I am privileged to be a white male in America. I'm not, I'm not going to even deny that. But there is a stigma still attached with being part of the LGBT community, even though we still have over 50% of Americans approve of same-sex marriage and everything else going on with that, It's there's still a stigma attached to it. And so reading this whole book, every single time something popped up like that, it pissed me off because like I see this happening to people I know and love and care about every single day. And sometimes it even comes from people within the LGBT community. A buddy of mine is uh, bisexual, and there are people in our community who are very discriminatory against that, who think that, oh, well, because you like man and woman, whether you're a man or a woman doesn't matter, you can't be faithful. You you know you're just gonna go look to go cheat on someone because you're you mm-hmm. want the opposite gender, blah blah blah. And there's just horrible fucking things that are going around and being said by people who are supposed to be your allies, let alone the people who are your enemies. And it really irked me and pissed me off because this is still happening and it's still going on. And yes, maybe we've changed the focus from what it was back in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and that's still very much there. Trust me, I've got uh, there's a. I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if he wants to be associated with this podcast. (laughs) Uh, He is a professor up at the University of Utah. He's a doctorate. Yeah, and he still gets pulled over because he drives a nice car and he's black. Uh-huh. And they run his license registration to make sure it wasn't stolen. This uh-huh. man—he'll forget more things than any of us will ever know. He's one of the yeah. smartest people I've ever met. He's the kindest gentleman I've ever met, and he still gets this kind of shit. Which, quote unquote, we live in a post-racial society. It doesn't happen anymore. No bullshit. bullshit. Uh-huh. It's still happening, and it's still going on. And if you don't believe that, then You're I don't. I understand. don't even know what to say to you because. It's very obvious out there. So, yeah, that's what pissed me off of this book is because we're still having these same stupid fights and arguments over goddamn fucking bullshit. Who gives a fuck who you sleep with? Who gives a fuck what pigment your skin is? No one should. But we're still having it. It's 2016. Within 20 20 years from now, the singularity is going to happen. The robots are going to take over. And honestly, good for them. I think we've had our time here and we should be done because we're still this fucked up and stupid. So that's why this book pissed me off. Not that it's not amazing, because it is, and I loved every second of it, and I'm very excited we finally got to read it, because I have wanted to for a long time, but the fact of the matter is, human beings are full of shit, we're blinded by race, sexuality, religion, creed, gender, age, and I, it's just fucking bullshit. Anyway, I, I'm done ranting, because I, I can go on for another hour, but that's what pissed me off, because it just brought all that bullshit to the front of my mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm really sick of it.
1: No, I agree with that. And I mean, it's the thing also is this book, I think, in particular, a lot of these sentiments, I feel like three or four years ago in the middle of the Obama era, you would think, oh, isn't that kind of quaint? It doesn't that seem like it was so long ago. And then now in the current political climate, it's like, oh, yeah, this shit still really exists and it's still right on the surface. And this doesn't seem as far fetched as it may have felt at one point in time or another, which is really depressing and sad. And I don't know, um, I so I've always kind of felt like, because I was raised in the Mormon religion, I don't consider myself Mormon now, and, and Todd, you're pro- you're in a very similar situation, so you might have something to, to add to this, but it, there's a similarity here, and I'll get to my point, is that sometimes I get really frustrated by things that people or that church actually say or do because it still partially represents me but I don't agree with that you know what I mean like I was raised in that community and that kind of thing and so like in reading this where you have like the the quote unquote, like, well, not even quote unquote. Basically, the the religious guy, the religious zealot person. Not to say that I'm religious, mm-hmm. but the religious zealot speaking out against mutant kind. Where he is, you know, a hetero white male. As a hetero white male, I get really disappointed by my own people being like, "You guys are fucking idiots," and like, it's embarrassing. But like, and that's it's nothing compared to you know what a minority has to deal with. But I was just curious if Todd had the same reaction to that to the the character of Stryker of like a this fucking guy. And like, there's just too many fucking guys like that out there, you know.
3: Yeah. So as I was reading it, what's interesting for I don't know why, um, YouTube is such a rabbit hole for me. You start someplace and then you just fall and continue to fall. And Eddie knows. So I was watching, um, after reading this book, I started watching uh, Christopher Hitchin takedowns. So if you ever have a one a good time, just look up Chris Hitchin takedowns. And it's little short snippets of him debating people often of religion. And uh-huh. proceeding to tell them how they're absolute bullshit and they're everything that's wrong with the world. Uh-huh. And he backs it up with facts and info that they just kind of go, uh, can I go home now? And as things go on, it's the challenge of it is, as you're looking through here, and this book exemplifies it, once you have a person with the audacity to go, I know what a higher being is thinking. Uh-huh. And it also happens to be exactly in line with what I'm thinking but I'm going to go ahead and put the authority of a higher being along with it. It just becomes, I mean, there are bad people in the world, but there's nothing worse than a religious bad person. And that really is the case. And it's talk about the subject of evil and what is the creation of evil? Chris Hedgen says, well, the creation of evil was religion. So it takes the religion in and of itself and it just codifies people's thought processes of going, what is other and what is unwanted? Oh, we can blame the other. They are not like us. And just because they're not like us, it's now, we're good, they, the other are, is what's wrong with the world. And it can be skin tone, it can be religion, ethnicity, orientation, or someone that goes so far as going as as any of that. And you've got comparisons of Xavier. You're talking about Xavier and Magneto versus um, Malcolm X and Dr. Luther King. And we all hold up um, Dr. King as this amazing guy. But I don't think we would be nearly as fond of him or revere him if you didn't have the motherfucker scary Malcolm X. Because King is like, oh, I have this dream. And he has some of these great ideas. But the people they were willing to listen to him, in part, was... Well, if you don't want to listen to me, I've got my buddy Malcolm X over here, and that is one really scary motherfucker. Uh-huh. And they look at Malcolm X and they go, huh, let's talk to Dr. King. So the only reason that Xavier is, oh, Xavier's a good idea, let's talk with him. He's got this good middle-of-the-road, we can all get along. approach, is because you've got Malcolm X or Magneto having the same stance as Stryker. You look at them, they're two sides of the same coin. It's the other the other's not okay. It's time to get rid of them. And if we don't get rid of them, then they're going to get rid of us. Mm-hmm. This book is 26 years old. The
1: art, though, is of a different this style. This book is more than 26 years, it's 36 36 years, years old. 36 years old. Yeah, 80 it 80. 80, it's 36 years old.
2: God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you'd be 26 either, me, Tom. I, I would be 28. That would make me very happy. Motherfucker. But with that being
3: said, we all think we're evolving and coming along, and some things are legitimately better, but we're still the same. And this just comes to mind we've got to be vigilant. We've got this current administration and people going, oh, look who's in the top job right now. We can go ahead and let our ignorance. And our bigotry fly because look who has the top spot. It's okay. And unfortunately, and you, it most happens with people that are unaware of others or do not have a personal connection. And it's so sad because people are fearful of the other or it's easy to blame the other. And the saddest thing about humanity is our quickness to say, you know, that's okay. And so I love this book. It was going through and you've got Stryker. And you've got Magneto, and you have Colossus, you've got this Russian guy, and then you've got this Romany Nightcrawler. And you have so many examples of other, not just because of. You have mutant kind versus humankind, and you also have the different ethnicities and races. And you just have this striker dude who's just this fucking asshole. And yet we all know this asshole, and it's too bad. Because he's still there, and he's just, I'm the only asshole that matters. And God damn it, this sucks. And the problem is, we all know that asshole.
1: No, I have a, a thing at uh, that happens to me, and it kind of goes back to this religious striker thing as well. Anytime I run into someone who they tout their religion first as a way of trying to mm-hmm. connect, I automatically don't trust them. And oh, absolutely. It, it so whenever anyone comes
3: pattern. to me, it's like, oh, brother, so and so, you yeah. know, oh, you know, brother and so and so we're of the same religion. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, nod, nod. There yeah. is a reason why Provo is one of the highest places of fraud. The FBI has special tax forces, task forces just for Happy Valley in Utah County because of all the goddamn fraud going on and the stuff and people doing it in the name of religion to behave very poorly and the justification of that. And it sucks. But yeah, if anyone goes, oh, we're the same religion, we've got to be like buddy, buddy, wink, wink. And I'm like, nope, we're done.
1: Well, and like, and I mean, in Utah, it's a very obvious one. I've had it out here in California of like, oh, Christian or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, no. Um, uh, no, we're, we're not playing that game here, kids. No. Uh, yeah, anyway. Well, and one
2: thing I want to just hop on, and we actually mm-hmm. can discuss the actual comic itself. Yes. And, um Which is, this is not to say that I have anything against religious people specifically because i know some people who are very religious who are absolutely amazing people who like well, we'll take my mother-in-law for instance she's a very devout catholic goes to mass every day and is one of the most kind-hearted generous loving people i've ever met in my life and has fully welcomed me into her family as <clears throat> as almost like her own son because i'm married to her son and mm-hmm. has never once you know looked at me as like oh well this relationship isn't valid because my church believes this. No, no, not not one bit at all. It's always been uh-huh. one of the most amazing people I've ever been privileged enough to know in my life. But technically speaking, I'm a horrible person because of what her religion says. But she is wise enough to understand that the point of religion is to you you have to you have to pick and choose the good stuff out of it because these are talking about stories written by written thousands upon thousands of years ago that have been translated and translated and mixed around and people got together and decided what should be there and shouldn't be there and all these kind of fun things so when people take that and make it 100% pure dogma like no this is the literal word of God that he grabbed a shepherd's hand and started writing on it and I love what Eddie Izzard said because Mm -hmm. you would think that if God really did write the Bible he would have grabbed a scribe's hand and read but before that were the dinosaurs who were a bit crap so fuck them Uh, yeah no, and, and, and the, the point of, at least as far as the Christian religion goes, I mean, the many different facets of it, is the, the one of the greatest, if we look just at what Jesus said in the New Testament. Oh, and by the way, if people listen to this and think I don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I was raised very, very Southern Baptist and religious. I've read the Bible multiple times. I've studied it for most of my life. I will also probably forget more about the Bible than most people will ever know. So don't come at, come at me, bro. Like I will shut you down. One of the greatest commandments is love your neighbor as yourself. And mm-hmm. that is a big thing that so many people see or forget to see is that that's what you have to do. That's the point of the Christian religion is to love people how you think God would love them. And too many people get so wrapped up in trying to prove why you're wrong and they're right as far as they think their idea of God is concerned that they lose sight of the, one of the second greatest commandments of all time. So this is not saying that if you're religious, we think you're a bad person, because I don't. Mm-hmm. I know way too many religious people. I know a buddy of mine who's a pastor who is amazing, has no problem with LGBT people, he's all about this, and would probably get in trouble if, you know, people found, if if he actually was in a, a group of religious people who believe differently, but he's not, he's got his own little thing going on. But he's also believes in God, Jesus, the whole thing, the Bible. But he also understands that there are limits to what you have to accept for that, because this is a book that was written over thousands of years that's very, very old. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when this was written, the people who wrote it didn't understand the Internet.
3: There's that. You take uh, the—and you take Jesus, and at the end of the day, you've got the golden rule of do unto others as you do unto yourself. But you can really take the New Testament, the word of Jesus, and all that, and it can be boiled down rather succinctly as, just don't be a dick. As long as you're not behaving like a dick to others, life's good,
2: and it's supposed to go both ways. And if you want to have fun with that, there's a, a great stand-up comic named Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. He uh, mm-hmm. does all of his songs, and his album, I believe, is called "Words, Words, Words," which the opening song is about Shakespeare. Which mm-hmm. for those thespians, that's fun. He actually has a song called "From God's I'll tell you Perspective." A yeah. <laughs> Sorry, joke, terrible joke. That's fine. I, I love uh, it. Let's be honest here. He has a song called uh, "From God's Perspective," and he it, it basically just, it sums up everything we've been talking about mm-hmm. in very succinct four minutes. But he mentioned like you know how many metaphors does it take for you to understand you shouldn't be a dick. Yeah, and that, mm-hmm. again, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful song because it's funny. It'll make you laugh. But the end of it, if you don't have a tear coming down your face because of the point he's making, then you definitely are too bought into your own dogma because it, that's not the point of what religion is supposed to be. It's it's supposed to be about making you making others' lives better. And if you're not in it for that, if you're in it to prove someone else is wrong and why they're going to hell or why they shouldn't have rights, in that case, then I don't respect you. And honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, please stop. I don't want you as our audience because you are not yeah. a good person.
1: So Sure. Okay, before we leave the religious thing, a couple things that I've yes. always found true. One, anyone who drives with a religious bumper sticker on the back of their car drives like an asshole. I'm sorry, if you have a religious bumper sticker, you drive like an asshole. It's 100% true. I'll give, uh, them, the, I'll give them the coexist sticker. I, I'm, I should say, like, a Jesus fish or some sort of Christian religious, at least in Southern California. if you, if you Every time I'm like, that person drives like an asshole, and then I see a religious sticker on the back of their car, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Secondly, never date someone who has just found Jesus. They're looking for something and meaning in their life that you as a significant other cannot provide. Danger, <laughs> Robinson, do not go there. Just trust oh. me on this one. That honey, is a I, bad idea. Honey, where did the, the, the good Christian not touch you? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you off air. It's a long story.
3: Uh, <laughs> I always uh, enjoy the flying spaghetti monster.
1: That's stickers true. Too. And emblems eating the Jesus fish. Uh, that's true, too. Uh, and then just, uh, I mean, I, I think that religion is fine as long as it guides people. People who define themselves and don't think for themselves because of their religion, I think, is a problem. If your whole existence is based on what religion you are and not necessarily on other interests and or your family or whatever, then I'm going to probably have problems getting along with you in the first place. But you also probably want not be listening to a podcast about comic books because like, one of the things I do have to say that I love about comics is in general the art form is fairly progressive politically. Like, You don't find a lot of uh, comic books that the ultimate message is like... Yeah, fuck everybody. You know what I mean? Like, most of the ultimate message in most comics is a, a, a one of coexistence, which is part of the reason why I love the art form in general. But anyways, anybody else have anything else to say before we move on to something else?
2: Uh, so the, the one thing, mm-hmm. I know we, 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 we've kind of discussed the, the themes of this comic, and I think we've yeah. kind of done it the right way to where you get what's going on. But one of the interesting things that I'll tie into real life was at the very end of, and, and what's funny is this also ties into an old episode. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very, very end, when everything kind of gets settled down, Magneto's there and trying to get Xavier to join him. And Xavier, for the first time ever, was like, you're right. Mm-hmm. We should be doing this. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, you know, why are you saying this? And Magneto's like, oh, well, <clears throat> the liberties we're going to strip away, and what I'm going to do to conquer and make Homo Superior rule the planet, it'll be so small and so minute that even the most libertarian of societies won't even notice they're gone. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be just a partial fracturing of, of liberties, to where it'll be fine. Which you know, Ben Franklin, Ben Franklin, I think quoted someone, but this, you know, those who sacrifice essential liberties for temporary safety deserve neither. Mm-hmm. And everyone freaks out and goes on, uh, which goes back to when I was hosting, uh, actually no, I was moderating the LGBT podcast at uh, Salt Lake Comic Con. Mm-hmm. A couple, it was last year. It was right after we did the the first X Men versus Avengers comic where at the very end <clears throat> gets know, using his powers to where he can like take away all uh, hatred of the other and hatred of mutants and everything else. Mm-hmm. So it would go away from mankind. That actually was a question I brought to the panelists. I was like, if you had that power to make it so that people could not discriminate against LGBT people or black people or this and that, would you do it? And I prefaced it with there's no wrong answer here. Mm-hmm. But I want you to state your answer and back it up. And I I think only one panelist said that they would do that. Everyone else said no. Because in that case, it's like we mentioned with uh, Watchmen, you're making a fake utopia. It's built on a lie. Yeah. And just like we saw with No Matter Your Thoughts of the Movie, The Matrix, where everyone eventually one day will wake up from that lie and figure out what's going on, how much worse would it be in that situation where you've taken away free will and when people finally do wake up out of that stupor, the blowback would be five thousand times harder. So that just kind of goes back to not only a past episode, but also a real life experience that I had in front of a couple hundred people. That was actually one of the, like my favorite moments I've had at a panel. So that was a great that was, panel.
1: Todd, now we're sitting there in that. that was oh, I that was Where I said okay. hi Andy in person, and he didn't even catch it. I was really disappointed. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's what that's what you get, I guess. There's another weird little... I mean, there's something I noticed in this, and I was wondering if anyone else noticed. Did anyone else notice that on uh, Stryker's podium and his logo, his cross is basically the X-Men logo just turned on its side? Did anyone else catch that?
2: I didn't, but I know there's, there's, there's a lot of... Uh, in And this was back in the Christian theology about the whole Jesus on the cross thing. Mm-hmm. Is that... Because, again, no one really knows what it looked like, but some people actually do believe that the cross that we see currently is not the actual cross that he would have been crucified on, that mm-hmm. the actual crosses that then were more shaped like an X in the ground. Yeah. So it could have come from that as well.
1: No, my favorite though, uh, there's a, speaking of stand-up comics, uh, there's a Bill Hicks routine where he talks about, if Jesus ever comes back, do you think he really wants to see another fucking cross his entire life?
3: It's <laughs> hey, like, that was uh, a bad day. Let's yeah, not talk exactly. about that day. Yeah
1: it's like it's like going around and being like everyone who's like big fans of jenna f kennedy like wearing a shotgun around their like pendant and going they go up to jackie o and be like i'm just thinking of john jackie just thinking of john like that's fucked up if you really think about it it's really messed up so
3: so are you saying jesus was more crucified like the um game of thrones family where they were flailing people house bolton
1: and the flailed man spoiler alert i'm only through the first season
3: Dude, the flailed man is the, the sigil of the house. I'm not spoiling shit.
1: Oh, okay. I don't know. i just. I've only watched there the season.
2: I don't know about what else. And, and to be fair, this happened years and years ago, so. <laughs> yes. It's like, don't
3: tell me how Titanic ends.
1: You're like, or, God or, damn or, it. Or, top, or Top Gun. Like, I, you know, it's uh, spoiler alerts for Top Gun. I'm yes. uh, very concerned about that. Uh, I think I need a drink though
0: Behold Mr. Boom, We finally fulfill Mr. the second boom, half of our Mr. title boom, And make with the fire Mr. water
2: B, Alcoholics transform O-O-Z. We
0: need to get these bitches
1: drunk That Perfect segue into drinks um, Adam, since you brought it up, what would you like your beverage of choice to be, dear sir? So mine is called the Magneto, uh, and what it is,
2: it's uh, two ounces of a blended scotch, one ounce of sweet vermouth, and you pour that into a, a mixing glass with ice, Give it a good stir. You strain it into a chilled rocks glass, and then what's kind of fun here is you get like a like a um, actually if you go to a, like a, a drink store they actually will sell these little metal ice cubes. So that they're like mm-hmm. little round spheres that you can put in the freezer. So when you put it in your whiskey, it won't actually dilute like it. But whiskey rocks sort of chill and stuff it. too. Whiskey rocks. Yeah. There's yeah. a there's a get a metal yeah. one for Benito. Mm-hmm. You put it yeah. in there, and you top it off with a splash of Manischewitz, which is a uh, it's actually a um, kosher, wine. Okay. A kosher a man, wine. A kosher
1: wine? You mean Manischewitz?
2: Manischewitz, yeah, thank you. I didn't know how to, I okay. know how to say it for sure. You talk so my
1: half Jewish. I know how to say that. Okay,
2: so you, you, you've, you've got the, the Manischewitz, which is, again, Jewish wine, and you've got the, the metal in there for Magneto, and
1: you've got yourself a nice little fancy drink. Well, and also, according to the X-Men movie, uh, Magneto was also Jewish as well, so that also helps mm-hmm. tie in, too.
2: And actually, in... Uh, did we ever read Testament? We have not yet, no. No. Okay, so that actually is, we're uh, going to side note, one we should read in the future. It's, it's Magneto's story of when he was at the, uh, in, in the concentration camp when he didn't have powers.
1: Mm. I'll be honest so, with you. Um, just since we're talking about this book, I typically have in the past cringed at, uh, at more X-Men books, but uh, I'm going and putting it on the list right now because uh, this kind of sold me on another X-Men book. If we can find another one as good as this, I'm totally down. Cause I really like this book. Uh,
2: well, no, he's, he, and he's Jewish in the comics too. They've brought up multiple, even in this okay. book, they brought up uh, the whole, like sure. his, his family being massacred by Nazis.
3: What I'm, and maybe they do or not, but I, my question is why isn't this touted
1: more? I don't think this- you necessarily, I mean, the, 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 I guess the concern could always be Magneto. For those who are not initiated into comics, is more or less the villain. Although he is sort of an equal, and sometimes villain, sometimes not villain. He's a very complicated character. But if mm-hmm. in the comics, but if you only know him from the films, you don't necessarily want to tout your main villain as being Jewish. I mean, that could potentially be considered as anti-Semitic if you're not necessarily familiar with the material. You know what I mean? No.
2: Uh, no they. I, I feel like they, they made yeah. it a pretty big point in in the movies. But also, it's you almost understand his viewpoint better because mm-hmm. it's um. Oh, what's what I'm looking for? It's. Uh, well,
1: it gives him validated anger. You understand his. It, it gives him his character. You you understand his backstory. You want you. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. I think we're all credence. Not quite credence, but, but it's, yeah. you, you get
3: it.
2: You can empathize from his position. It's, it's when you it's actually the, the term for it's a legal term. It's called something homicide where you kill someone for the right justifiable. reason. You, justifiable. Justifiable. Yeah. It's, it's it's justifiable anger. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. he's seen this happen to himself, to his family, and now he's seen it happen to his mutant brothers and sisters. So why wouldn't you go out there and do whatever you could to save people who are quote unquote your family or people who are innocent victims? And that's uh-huh. and this book starts out the same way where those kids were murdered because they were supposedly mutants. And he goes and they're being they're hung from the the schoolyard so the kids can find them the next day. And he he starts out with saying, like, you were killed just because you existed, and he's like, I understand that. So, yes, it's Mm -hmm. very... His anger and his passion towards this, whether you want to believe he's doing the right thing or not, is justifiable, because he's been there, and he doesn't want to see it happen again.
3: Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And it's even interesting, as you look at laws and rules, as um, there's the protected classes and anti-discrimination, and there's lots of different protected classes, but basically, the protected classes become of what you can't discriminate is about who you are. Where your discrimination is welcome is all based upon behavior. So, but where you can't discriminate, when they talk about it, it's like gender, race, race, ethnicity, orientation, age. Those mm-hmm. are things is simply who you are and it's what you are being. And saying this is not okay because you are who you are is like the whole foundation And as a guy, I guess, going through it in this point of this is it's you're watching God Love Man's Kills or you're reading this or that X2 X-Men United is you've got people fearful of who people innately are. And it's based upon nothing of what they do. It's just what they potentially might maybe do. And that can that potential is there for anybody. And it's where people are fearful of the potential and not looking forward to it. And it's sad and it's a place of fear. And it sucks.
1: Deep Thoughts by Todd, it sucks Deep Thoughts by Todd Boy, This has been a pretty sucks. Deep Thoughts overall I mean it no, really is, the, the, the
3: episode the book is short and yet okay. it hits the nerve but the context is deep and long the context is deep and it doesn't pretend I mean it just has the lightest of window dressing about what it's actually talking about mm-hmm. and it's what's there so, but I am going to have a drink as well uh, mine is called the whiskey striker because the villain is striker. So we'll talk about this. So it's um, similar to a mojito. So you place crushed ice in a large cocktail shaker. You add a cup of mint leaves um, and lime juice. And what you're looking for is about an ounce of lime juice. You muddle the lymph and the little l- mint and the lime juice, you know, muddle it together, smash the shit out of it. And then you want to add about three ounces of whiskey and uh, vanilla vodka ounces of that and about six amples of apple juice or you know ginger ale or even a ginger beer so how you're feeling so mules are all the rage these days so get a spicy as fuck ginger beer is what I would do (laughs) um you add that all
1: in ridiculously spicy by the way
3: dude I found one so there's Garwood's extra spicy locally made here in Utah that shit is so spicy. My wife is like, motherfucker, you drank that. You're standing <laughs> away, and I can still smell it. Yeah. They're like, that way you know it's good. So use Garwood's Extra Spicy with this. Then you go ahead you shake the shit out of that, strain it into um, two tall glasses because this is a lot of fluid, and um, top it off with the remaining ginger beer. Then you can garnish it with a bit of mint. And you enjoy it, but it's a whiskey striker, so it'll get you nice and tipsy. And it's delicious, yeah, because that ginger beard overpowers that vanilla vodka, which is traditionally quite gross. But give it a go.
1: And Maya and I were, uh, it's funny, because when he sent me his cocktail and then sent me his uh, drinking game for uh, this weekend next week. We were very much on the same page in multiple ways, so uh, both our cocktails kind of have some similarities to it. Um, I'll start with mine. Uh, Mine is called, uh, it's the Brimstone, which is partially because of uh, uh, the Fire and Brimstone uh, preacher we have, but also because they talk about um, when Nightcrawler appears and disappears, he has a it it smells like Brimstone, uh, is what they say. Uh, So it is one and a half ounces of Cherry Brandy, one ounce of Dark Rum, one ounce of uh, regular rum. Uh, one uh, half ounce of orange liqueur like Contreau or Grand Marnier. Half ounce of creme de, de Noyax. I've never seen that shit before. What the fuck N-O-Y- is that? N O Y A U X. Probably something French, I am willing to bet. One and a half ounces of sweet and sour mix and one and a half ounces of orange juice. Uh, Shake with, crass, uh, shake with cracked ice and uh, serve in a Collins class. I'm going to press a button to see if that the link will take me to what that type of alcohol is, real fast. No, if it's
3: French, I would call it like noir and ignore the last yeah.
1: nine letters
2: like or, Bordeaux.
1: Yeah, or. Because of those no. funky frogs. Yeah, new no, or something like that. I don't know. Uh, and Maya's cocktail is uh, the Nightcrawler, uh, which is one ounce of blue caracao, one ounce of orange liqueur, four ounces of lemonade and grenadine syrup, and you pour the blue caracao orange liqueur, and lemonade into a highball glass full of ice. Sink the grenadine by dropping a few dashes down the side of the glass so that it sinks to the bottom. Uh, alternatively, just teleport straight to the bottom of the glass like the bamf you are. Uh, drink through a straw while, take, uh, while taking your time uh, in the circus. I guess that's a Nightcrawler reference that Maya left for me that I didn't catch. Anyway, thank you, Maya, for that. Because I'm guessing, because I haven't heard from him, he has not returned home yet from work. We have not seen my. yet. We have not seen the Maya yet. Okay, well, do we have anything else we want to discuss before we go on to our uh, final grades? <coughs> Read this book. Read it. Yes. Uh, well, then let's jump into final grades right away.
0: Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have fifteen minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card. It's report on time. Awesome, 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 awesome,
2: awesome, awesome, I'm so fucking fun. God, please, no. No! No! No!
1: Uh, for writing for Mr. Chris Claremont. Adam, what is your grade?
2: Uh, easily an A. I you know, Chris Claremont, as I mentioned earlier, he he is. Definitely for most of the 80s and everything else, he was the beating heart of the X-Men, and we've gotten so many iconic stories from him, and this one gave me a guttural and emotional reaction that very few comics have. So it's great writing, it's a great story, and it's definitely something that everyone should read because, like I said, what pissed me off is still, sadly, 36 years later, this is still happening. This still holds up. Just as well as it did back in the '80s, and uh, while that's a sad commentary on humankind, it's also a great—it's uh, it, a—it's a great uh, compliment to him as far as being able to write a story that is is so completely timeless.
1: Awesome. Um, I will speak for Mr. Maya. He gave it uh, an A for writing. Uh, Mr. Todd, what is your grade for Mr. Claremont?
3: I'm also going to give this an A. This is definitely an example of someone with something to say. And he used this medium as a platform. And it was, uh, I mean, I want not even say it's thinly belled. Yeah, I mean, but he's saying something that matters. And it's worth listening to this goddamn 36 years ago as it is
2: today. Well, what's funny, too, we spent more time talking about this than it took me to read it. Yes. Yeah. So there's very few books we've, again, this is like one of the shortest we've ever done, where... Uh-huh we spend more time discussing than it would take you to actually go through and see what it's about. So, And
3: what's even interesting, you go back to it again, the title of the arc is God Loves, Man Kills, and it's not even a, um, if you look at this title, he's not deriding religion. He's deriding those that pervert. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. And he's deriding those that pervert things. And that is the issue. So even with the title, I mean, it's with when it comes to the writing, it, I mean, he just nailed it. So Chris Claremont, I mean, the only thing this thing's missing is that Lionel Richie episode with a everyone in bikinis at the lake.
1: One more thing I just want to mention before uh, I go into my final grade, since we're kind of bastardizing the way we do this, but that's okay because it's been a good conversation. Uh, One thing I think is very interesting is about the ending of this book. I think an important thing to note is that with this battle going on between Stryker and the X-Men, what it really takes is an outsider, a.k.a. one of the cops to say no i have to sit in here and i have to do what's right you know what i mean in most comic book movies uh, or stories or whatever the, comic, the, the the superheroes have to protect and defend themselves but really what this ends up becoming is it ends up becoming a person of authority going no that guy's wrong and i'm going to protect i'm going to protect what's right and i'm going to protect the mutant and i thought mm-hmm. that was uh, interesting and uh, that that uh, <laughs> for his horrible striker is, I felt better about like, okay, at least a non mutant cop was the guy who stepped up and said, yeah, no, fuck that guy. Uh, so, uh, um, so there was that. So, um, but yes, I'm going to also give this an a, like I said before, I have not understood the love of Chris Claremont until this moment. And now I totally get it. Yeah. It's, it's a fucking fantastic, uh, read, as far as story goes um as far as art goes uh mr maya has also given it an a for art uh he really likes the, the this uh, book's art style i can't divulge any further than that because uh, he is uh not here to defend himself but todd what is your art grade uh, no looking at it it's very uh, quintessential of the times
3: so uh-huh. it's um, it looks a bit dated at this point in time, but I mean, it really was probably the um, peak of it it is. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a B at this point thing. It's not my personal cup of tea as it's watching, but it's very much of that era. So if uh-huh. you enjoy the era of it, it's probably not any, you can't find anything much better of the era than this. So, but I give it a B.
1: I will probably give it an A minus. Uh, it has a bit of a sketchy quality to it, but it also has an energy to it as well. The sketchy quality to it kind of reminds me of early Ninja Turtles books, which were about a, uh, close to this time frame, a little bit after this as well. But there, there's a great energy to it, and it's a it's a it's great storytelling uh, artistically. It's just not necessarily completely high quality art, but it, it's. It's still really good and still uh, enjoyable. It's not something I'd put on my wall, but it's something I enjoyed reading. Uh, and Mr. Adam, what is your art grade? Uh,
2: I'm going to name mine as well, because when I first started reading it, <clears throat> I'd completely forgotten the, the time period it came out of. And while the art is somewhat dated, it doesn't feel quite as much as other books we've read from this era. Mm-hmm. So it didn't quite feel like a book that was almost as old as I am. It felt like something that was a bit newer and fresher uh the more detailed so I, really, I like that a lot and while it's not gonna like like you said i'm not gonna take frames out and frame them and put them on my wall at the same time i didn't look at it and be like oh yeah this is in the same era as some of the other books we read it seemed to pop more and have more detail so i like that a lot
1: then uh for overall grade for the entire book altogether, um i'm just gonna jump in and say i'm gonna give it an a i Love the shit out of this book, I thought it was really great as much as I gave the art a slightly lower grade, I still think it all pans out as a good piece of work from everyone around, Uh, and I really think it's, A, it's really readable, but also I think it's an important read, Uh, and something that uh, I think everybody should check out at some point in time or another Uh, Mr. Adam, what is your overall grade? I'm going with an
2: A. I I love this book. It's still timely. It still has images and thoughts and ideas that resonate as deeply today as it did when this was written, even before its time. It it does deserve to stand up there with one of the best X-Men titles of all time and is one that if you're a fan of comics, no matter who you are, you should definitely hop into and read. And the fun thing with this is unlike Watchmen, which you you really have to be well-versed and steeped in comics to understand and get everything uh, this is one that you can pick up, read in a half hour, and no matter if it's your first book or your 500th book, you're still going to get the point and you're going to get the concepts that are being brought up, brought around and brought to light, and that's that's kind of a big deal because not many books can give you this much to think about in such a short span of time.
1: Mr. Maya also gave it an overall A. Uh, he has three A's from him uh, for, I'm sure, similar reasons to everything we've already added. And uh, Mr. Todd, what is your overall grade?
3: You know, it's an A, I gave the artwork a B, but it's, um, if you look at it as, um, you know, I'm always careful to say things, books are important or whatever, something is important, but it is, it's definitely a classic. It holds up. Yeah. I mean, it just holds up and it'll hold up in another 20 years. It's held up for 36 years. It'll hold up for 20 years more. For things that make me feel bad of why it's going to hold up. But it will. And we may solve our current issues that we might be fighting today. I mean, our reasons have evolved from the civil rights to LGBTQ. And still, the civil rights thing is still going wrong of people of color. And everything else. And we'll find out what the next issue is if we solve the current one. And it just makes a wonderful allegory. As much Uh as anything else. It's a short poignant allegory and it's fantastic so yeah Chris Claremont right here earns and everything else it's great
1: it's an A you need to read it for me this is much like Alan Moore's X-Men this is the book that I'm like oh okay Chris I Claremont can get now gets a pass I get I get why people really love his work mm-hmm. um uh, so yeah i uh, i have become a convert kids right here on this very podcast i've had a religious moment with chris claremont in this book uh well cool does anybody else have anything else they want to bring up before we move on no nope, i think we we've, mm. we've pretty much did a deep dive and covered everything we need to so uh then we will jump into recommendations
0: and now it's time for recommendations that time in the show where the panel tells you all the crap they are currently into, but will forget about as soon as they see something shiny. Your
3: Stamp Tramp. How dare you? And what is that? You give your stamp of approval to everything. It's become meaningless. Why can't you be
1: more like your wife? Lily's stamp is gold. I'm reading this book because of her. <laughs> I'm drinking this beer because she recommended it. <laughs> I'm even wearing this bra because of a lingerie store Lily told me about. Uh, Mr. Todd, do you have anything to recommend? No, I was talking about it a bit. That X Men 2,
3: X Men United. Uh huh. Brian Singer directed it. Now, that's a guy that's kind of not doing so great in the news lately. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, though, he was took the idea of the story and this allegory, and he did a pretty good job of it in the movie as well of extending it. And um, I do appreciate that. That movie holds up well. If you um, have seen X2 and you have enjoyed it in any way, shape, or form, you should read the source material because it's awesome and amazing. So, yeah, X-Men 2, X-Men United.
1: Cool. Uh, Mr. Adam. So uh, as this this, uh, episode comes
2: out, it is the uh, weekend after the 16th, so actually after Eddie's birthday. Uh, so the movie Love, Simon uh, just hit theaters, and I, as we record this, it's two weeks in advance. Uh, I've already seen it, and I'm planning to go back and see it again. It is the uh, the first motion picture pushed by a major studio, uh, so it's Fox uh, proper, not Fox Searchlight or Fox or Indie Films, uh, based on a book featuring uh, the coming-out story of this gay kid in high school. Uh, and it's kind of a big deal because there have been movies with other Gay characters and protagonists, but this is really about his story and everything else. It's a lot of fun. I mean, as a as a having to review it, there are some problems, so I have to kind of ding it for some things. But it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. There's some touching moments. Uh, it's funny, and what's really great is we saw it at a uh, the pre screening. It was it was a packed house, and the fun thing was that there was a lot of teenagers in the audience. There was a lot of queer people, and the reactions they were getting, because you, you can tell when the movie wants to, to cry or to laugh or do this and that. It was hitting everyone perfectly. The audience was playing along. They were clapping and cheering and it really kind of resonated with everyone there. And as much as this book upset me because there's so many of attitudes that are still out there this day and age. Uh, the fact that there was a group of maybe 200 people who, you know, being surrounded by allies or people of your same community that got it and loved it and celebrated what happened was a really cool experience. So if you, it, it's out now, go see it. It's a lot of fun and it's just like, it's a cute little story. So,
1: um, and then my recommendation will be is if you happen to be in Southern California and you're a star Wars fan, there is a, there's a company that's actually based on Salt Lake called the void that does virtual reality experiences. Um, uh, but they, uh, on top of the VR, uh, helmets, they also put you in an actual environment that you can walk around inside of and like touch the walls and things like that. And they have a star Wars, uh, themed experience at, uh, at downtown Disney called uh, secrets of the empire. I believe it's going to end up in other places as well, but I did that with um, Jess and uh, our friend of uh, Brian Young, who we discussed earlier in the episode and our friend uh, Brian, uh, Ryan call, who was uh, formerly of Salt Lake comic-con. Uh, so we all went out and did it and had a damn good time. It's a little pricey. You're going to pay about a buck a minute for your experience but uh, it was really, really fun, and it was a great experience. And it, it was one of those things where, having been in theater for a very long time, when, when something is a show of some kind or another, I do spend a lot of time sort of nitpicking and figuring out how they've done the tricks. And so from a nitpicking level, a couple of things we're really impressed by was uh, some of the ways that they did uh, textures that you're walking on. Uh, we, we knew exactly what they were, uh, we being Jess and myself, uh, because of the industry we're in, but we're still impressed with how they used them, and also the maximization of space, because we know how small the space that they built that place in is, and what they're able to do in that space and in that time frame is really impressive. It's a really, really fun experience. Todd and his wife Amy are coming to visit me this summer, and uh, Mm -hmm. I called them up shortly after. I said, well, I know exactly one thing we're going to do. I am taking you to do this. It's a lot of fun. Uh, So I recommend doing that. Uh, You can get uh, reservations beforehand, which I recommend. Um, I think it's, uh, if you just look up The Void in Downtown Disney, you'll eventually get links to it, and you can pay for it. Uh, through your Amazon account so you don't have to give one more person your uh, credit card information. You can just pay for it like you buy all your random crap that comes to you on Amazon like the rest of us like Magical Christmas. Uh, anyway, that being said, uh, does anybody else have any final things to throw out there? No, I think we're pretty good. Uh, so next week we are going to finish up our month of... Uh... Oh, sorry Mr. Bergen, I didn't mean to do have... uh-huh. Yes. Oh, thank you. very talkative today. Thank you, Mr. Porg. Uh, So next week, we're going to finish up our... uh, That makes me feel like such a morning radio host every time I talk to Mr. Porg, I gotta (laughs) say. Uh, Next week, we're going to finish up our month of viewer, our our March Madness month of uh, listeners' suggested books with uh, the first book of Supergirl written by David... uh, Sorry, Peter David. It's weird. It's it's written... uh, The artist and the uh, author are both guys who have first names for both names. It's Peter David and Gary Frank both writing and illustrating Supergirl, which I think is very interesting. Uh, but I also learned through a, uh, little link that was sent to me by, uh, Mr. Maya. This is the beginning of what is known, uh, for the Supergirl fans as, uh, the beginning of the matrix story, which I did not realize that that was a thing. Uh, we will talk a little bit about that next week. Uh, hopefully Maya will be able to join us. If not, we'll, uh, saunter on, uh, but that'll be next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and, uh, We'll see you next week. Oh, naughty.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of Knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as FunnyBooksandFirewater. And And on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksandFirewater.com for the most up to date information. As well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop to your bartender well and stay hydrated.